the children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children come Welcome to Children's Bible Journey With stories and songs just for kids We have a dramatized Bible story coming up So let's get today's program started By singing praises to our awesome God Do not murder of things to grow. Have you ever planted a little seed? Little seeds can grow into big gardens. Flash. 
Your heart feel happy. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. And Jesus spake unto the multitude yet another parable, saying, There was in a city a judge that feared not God, neither regarded he man. Next case. Landlord Ray Moon has brought suit against tenants Amnon. What are the charges? Non-payment of rent, Your Honor. Landlord Ray Moon, step forward. Uh, yes, Your Honor. Tenants Amnon, step forward. Yes, Your Honor. You heard the charge. Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty, Your Honor. I owe him no rent whatsoever. He says you do. He does, Your Honor. He owes me nearly a year's rent. I do not. You do. You know you do. I know you lie. Shut up. Both of you. Now, landlord... What makes you think he owes you for rent if he doesn't? But he does owe me, Your Honor, and Answer my question. He just hasn't paid me, Your Honor. He has no receipts or anything showing that he has. Is this true? No, I haven't any receipts, but he's never given me any. Suddenly he needed more money, I guess, and decided to get it from me by trying to collect back rent that is already paid. But you have no receipts? No, Your Honor. Have you ever given him rent receipts? Yes. Uh, no, uh, but um, uh, none was needed. We trusted each other. But suddenly, he started taking advantage of my kindness. Suddenly, and... you started taking advantage of the fact that he had no receipts. Therefore, I... Psst, psst. Yes, scribe? Here is some money, Your Honor. A gift from the landlord. A bribe? You know I never take bribes. Never. Uh, scribe, uh, come back here with those shekels. Uh, place them here, right here. <coughs> <coughs> After due consideration and thought, and in the interest of justice, I find the defendant guilty. You will pay the rent as sued for by your landlord and a fine imposed by this court of justice. I haven't that much money, Your Honor. Then you will remain in prison until it is paid. Guard? A judge. You're not a judge. You're a collector for yourself. Justice! You don't even know what the word means. You have mercy on no one. You have regard for neither man nor God. Is God judge in this court? He is not. Neither God nor man. I am. I am justice. Scribe, impose a fine twice the usual amount. God, take him to the cell. And stand. His Honor the Judge enters. Be seated. First case, scribe. <coughs> Widow of Armram, Your Honor. Now bring her forward. Come forward. I am. You will address the court as Your Honor. Uh, my Honor? I meant Never mind, that... scribe. Who is the defendant? Uh, who is the defendant, Mrs. Armram? Uh, Widow of Armram. I have no defense. That's the trouble. My husband is... Gone. I have no son. I am all alone in the world. Whom are you suing? 
And for what? Nothing. I just want justice. Yes, I Let understand, Let me handle this, Scribe. Uh, uh, Widow of Armram, what, uh, what sort of justice do you want? I want my land back. Mm, one of those cases. Do you have any male relatives? No, none at all. Uh, my honor. There's nothing I can do. Next case. Oh, but my honor, the land is rightfully mine, and the law... Your should... case is dismissed, Matt. Widow of Armram. What does that mean? You can go. But I don't have my land back, and the law says that... You may go. But I... Guard! I'll go, I'll go. Be seated. First case, scribe. Widow of Armram, Your Honor. Uh, have her come forward. Come forward. Good morning, my honor. Do you have any new evidence to offer this court? I want justice. Yes, yes, yes. Do you have any male relatives, friends, acquaintances that will act as your holder of land? Men? No, I should say not. It's understandable. I don't trust men. There is nothing I can do for you, madam. Uh, widow of Armram, nothing. Well, you are judge, aren't you, my honor? And you do judge. Justice, don't you? That's all I want. Justice and my land. Have her come forward. Come forward. Good morning, Judge, my honor. Seems like we're old friends. I've been here so often. And you look in a good mood. Oh, so now I know I'll get justice. I always say that it pays to keep right after anything you want. And I want my land. Oh, you look real good this morning, Judge. How are the wife and children? I don't have any children. Wish I did. Children are real Get comforting rid of in one's her. old age. How if I had a son, have her I wouldn't thrown out if necessary. No, 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 no. Then She'll I only be back tomorrow. Yeah, stop really her. And I'll talk to Men her. Widow of Armram. Widow of Armram. His Honor, the Judge, wants to speak to you. Yes, my Honor. You will get your land back. Thank you, my Honor. I can't stand the looks of her. She gets on my nerves. Now get rid of her. Give her what she wants, just so she never comes into this court again. I understand, Your Honor. Uh, Widow of Armram, wait in the outer chamber. I'll be with you shortly and see that you get your land. Thank you for being so patient with me, Your Honor, and for the justice. Shall not God be just with his own elect? which cry day and night unto him. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to add these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0211. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
everyone. This is Live with Sam. I'm Sam, and I'm here with my mother to discover more of her secrets for cooking amazing meals using nothing but fruits, vegetables, grains, nuts, beans, and legumes. Mom, let's talk beans. Are you sure you want to? Yes, beans are delicious. But they give you such gas. Mom! You blow up like a balloon. Mom! The whole neighborhood knows when you've had okay, beans for okay. lunch. Okay, let's move on to vegetables. Why do you serve your family so many vegetables each day? I'm glad you asked that question, Sam. Vegetables are like nature's health food store. They contain so many nutrients and vitamins. There's not a pill, prescription, or packaged food on earth that can touch them. Totally healthy. Unfortunately, most people don't eat anywhere near enough vegetables each day. Then they get sick and wonder why. How about fruits? One word, antioxidants. What's that? Only the greatest cancer fighter known to man. When cancer is growing in your body, those cancer cells need oxygen to live and multiply. Antioxidants arrive at the cancer site and basically remove oxygen from those cells then they can't grow and multiply. Is eating fruit the only way to get these antioxidants into your body? Well, they're also available in beans, but I don't think you want to talk about beans. Yes, right. Let's not talk about beans. This is Live with Sam. Goodbye. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, he established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. R. God promises to remember me.
to go on turning And why do the stars choose to shine? Who tells the moon when to change its face And what moves the sun in a line? As he looked at the world of his father's hand So much he wanted to understand His countless questions, his curious joy When Jesus was a today for another story just for you. Nothing Exciting Ever Happens by Ellen E. Morrison. Connie stepped from the front door onto the porch in time to wave to her friend Alice, who was speeding by on her bicycle. Then she sat down on the stoop looking very lonely and feeling lonely too. This is such a quiet town, she said to herself. Nothing exciting ever happens here. If I had a bicycle, I could at least go places in the afternoons the way Alice does. But Connie knew that it would be a long time before she would be able to get a bicycle. Mother and Dad couldn't afford to buy one now, and Connie had to spend her babysitting money for other things she needed. She watched the new yellow daffodils nodding beside the front walk. A stray breeze blew her hair over her face, and as she brushed the strands back, she thought how pleasant the breeze felt on this unusually warm day in March. Just then, her mother came to the front door and said, Connie, please go over to Mrs. Brown's and ask her for the cake recipe she promised to give me. Sure, mother, Connie replied, glad to have something to do. She knew Mrs. Brown quite well, for she often stayed with her three-year-old daughter, Shirley. The Brown home was only a block away, and Connie reached it in a few minutes. As she walked up to the front door, Mrs. Brown called to her from a neighbor's house. Go right on in, Connie. I'll be there in a little while as soon as I make a phone call. My telephone is out of order. Connie decided to sit on the front porch instead of going inside and settled herself in the swing. She wondered where Shirley was, but then remembered that the little girl was probably up in her room taking her afternoon nap. 
Yet suddenly she thought she heard Shirley's voice. It sounded as though she were outdoors somewhere. Connie left the swing and walked to the front steps. She heard Shirley distinctly this time calling, Mommy! in a voice that sounded afraid. Again it came, Mommy! The call seemed to be coming from high up. Connie moved down the steps and away from the house so she could see Shirley's upstairs bedroom window. It was open about six inches, and Shirley had her hands on the sill and her face at the opening, crying. Suddenly terrified, Connie realized why the child was afraid. Smoke was seeping out of the window on both sides of Shirley's head. I'm coming, Connie gasped, her voice hardly more than a whisper. She ran into the house and up the single flight of stairs to the second floor. There she met flames pouring from a hall closet. Shirley's room lay beyond. How could she reach the child? Then she noticed that there was a space about two feet wide between the opposite wall and the flames. She ran to it and paused a moment until another faint cry from Shirley spurred her on. Pressing close to the wall, she crept safely past. Through the smoke, she saw that the door to Shirley's room was open. She ran in and found the sobbing child still at the window. Shirley, she cried, overjoyed at finding her unharmed. Afraid to lose a moment, she picked up the child and started back into the hall. The smoke had become so dense by this time that it set them both to coughing and brought tears to their smarting eyes. Connie strained to see through the smoke. Could it be possible? Flames had blocked their way of escape. Still carrying Shirley, Connie ran back into the bedroom. She threw the window open wide and saw that several people were already running toward the house, Mrs. Brown among them. From somewhere off in the distance, a fire siren wailed. But Connie knew that she could not wait for help. Frantically, her eyes scaled the side of the house. They came to rest on a drain pipe scarcely a foot from the window. With quick presence of mind, she hurried back to the bed and stood Shirley on it. Get on my back, Shirley, like you do when we play horse, she exclaimed, turning around so the little girl could obey her command. Flames were already licking at the threshold of the door. Shirley climbed on her back. What are you going to do? She asked in a tiny childish voice as Connie carried her to the window. I can't tell you now, Connie answered, trying to sound calm, but just hold on real tight. Carefully, Connie stepped up on the windowsill, not daring to look to the ground below. With two swift kicks, she discarded the black patent leather pumps from her feet. She reached out for the drain pipe and clutched it with both hands. Hold tight, she repeated to Shirley, but she didn't need to. The little girl was holding on for her very life. Connie took her feet from the windowsill. Frightened gasps arose from the crowd below. For a brief moment, Connie tested the drain pipe, hoping against hope that it would hold this extra weight. It gave slightly, but showed no other signs of weakening. Slowly, she began to go down. Above them, red tongues of flame mingled with smoke appeared at the window. Below, all eyes were turned upward, watching the two girls. Even the arrival of the fire engines did not divert their attention. When Connie at last set foot on the ground, a loud cheer went up from the watchers who crowded around to congratulate her. Mrs. Brown, eyes filled with tears of relief and happiness, clasped Shirley close in her arms and said to Connie, I'm so grateful to you. I don't know what we would have done without you. A voice arose from the midst of the crowd. What do you say we raise another cheer for the bravest girl in town? The crowd responded with a hearty shout that made Connie blush. The next afternoon, when Connie came home from school, she saw the delivery truck from Johnson's Hardware Store parked in front of her house. The delivery man was removing a shiny new bicycle from it. Connie walked up to him and exclaimed, Don't you have the wrong address? 
I don't think so, the man replied, a twinkle in his eyes. Aren't you Miss Connie Danford? Yes, I am, Connie said, surprised. Well, then, this is for you. By now, the bicycle was out of the truck and sitting on the front walk. Connie, breathless with excitement, noticed an envelope bearing her name tied to the handlebar. Quickly, she tore open the flap and removed the note inside. It read, Dear Connie, we could never really repay you for your bravery in saving Shirley yesterday. Your mother told me once how much you want a bicycle, so we hope you will accept this one as a thank you gift from us. With love and deep gratitude, Mrs. Janice Brown. Connie refolded the note and tucked it in her pocket. With unbelieving hands, she caressed the shiny handlebars, murmuring happily, And I was the one who said that nothing exciting ever happens in this town. The story you have heard today is from Guide's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children come Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.